Hey Life Kitten, Roger here. So glad that you are with us. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. I'm sure you're looking forward to another great message. If you're a brand new listener, welcome. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow, all that good stuff so you can get what we put out, whether it's a sermon or other things. Uh, I should be this week getting another staff interview with one of our newer staff this week, so be sure to follow so that you can see when that drops and and give that a listen. Uh, Also, If you're a part of this community now, then you know this. But if you're a new person in our community who's been uh, just just joined us or just started hanging out with us, uh, I want to let you know that God is up to a lot. Um, We just we continue to see Him move in in new and amazing ways. So, if you want to participate in that, there's a couple ways to do it. Uh, You can fill out a connect card so that we can get to know who you are, what you're interested in, any questions you may have, and we can get you plugged with serving or with uh, a life group or uh, with the life journey. So be sure to fill out a connect card so that we can help you find your place in this community where we believe you belong. Also, if you want to participate, you can give. You can give to the mission of God at this church, uh, the ways in which he is moving uh, with your finances. So head on over to our uh give page to do that or you can check out actually our church center app uh, is another way to do that but uh, be sure to take that opportunity Uh, this week we're continuing in uh, my favorite series that we do which is our code series do it every year Uh, it's all about who we were and who we are becoming Uh, and you're about to hear a message from pastor jared on uh, relentless pursuit of one more and what that looks like so give that a listen and i'll catch up with you in just a second How are we doing today? Good. I'm glad to see you. Welcome to Life Canton. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here. Although somebody said I look like Steve Jobs today, so I'll take it. Uh, I can't help you with your Apple devices, but I'll do my best and uh, present. Uh, I am glad you are here. Uh, We've got new friends. We've got old friends that are here. If you are a little bit newer here or you haven't been here in a while, but now you're back and you haven't connected with us in a while, please fill out that Connect card. You can do so on the Church Center app if you have that downloaded. Otherwise, we have Connect cards at various places throughout the building. You can take that, fill it out into the uh, lobby and the Welcome Center, and we will be happy to help you take a next step and get connected to experience belonging, which is important to us. It's on our wall. In fact, if you're here very, uh, for the very first time, you've come at a good time because we are in a series that is called The Code. And this is our code on the walls over here. And this is all about kind of who we have been, but more importantly, who we are and who we're becoming. It's important for us to remind ourselves of that so that we can stay on course to the vision that God has for us, to reclaim our identity in Jesus and to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. We're going to get into that in just a second, and, um, but when we've been in this series, what we've done is we've gone through this one chapter in the book of Isaiah. It's this prophetic vision that Isaiah gives to the people to remind them that God is still for them, still with them. But as you read this, and some of you have already done this, you read through the chapter, you actually can kind of see the flow of our codes. 
In fact, I want to read just the first part that we've already read so far just to catch us all up to speed and see if you can hear the heart of you belong and encounter Jesus in these first few verses. They're not going to be on the screen, so if, you, uh, if it helps you to not be distracted, maybe just to close your eyes and hear these words. It says this in Isaiah 55, verses 1 to 3. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come Take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all of the unfailing love I promised To David. Can you hear it? Can you hear the sense of you belong? This idea of a host inviting you to a meal. Come, enjoy. You don't have to pay for anything. Just come and and eat and enjoy my company. Be with me. And then encounter Jesus. Just listen. Open your ears wide to hear what I am saying. Encounter me. Be present with me. There's no doing that you have to participate in. There's not a whole bunch of activity and clutter that you have to uh, fold into your life. No, just be with me. And some of us, man, we, we are going so fast, so hard, just constantly moving, constantly busy, filling our lives with clutter that we wonder, why can't I hear the voice of God? Listen. Open your ears wide. Encounter Jesus. Encounter his love, his grace, his mercy that is so undeserved. This last uh, week, David mentioned this during the worship. We were on a staff retreat, just the staff. Uh, spent time with our friend Kevin Butcher, who was here in December, and his co-worker, William Mack III, and it was so Great. I've been to a lot of staff retreats in the past where there's been lots of strategic planning, lots of uh, figuring out all these new initiatives. It was none of that. It was just spending time with each other, encountering Jesus, experiencing belonging, going through a whole lot of healing. And if you remember Kevin Butcher, when he was here in December of last year, he says this himself. He's a one-trick pony. All he talks about is the love of God over and over and over. And I need to tell you, church, that our staff is in probably one of the most healthy places that I've ever experienced on a church staff. It is so good. I've been in ministry for almost 20 years now, and never have I ever experienced the health of a staff quite like this. There was so much laughter, so many tears, so much healing that took place, and we are so well-positioned to move forward, and there's still more room for us to grow and to heal. I I just think it's important for you as the church to know that about the staff. It's good. But then last week, last week, as we were coming out of uh, Roger's message of Encounter Jesus, and we had a real uh, communal experience of communion, 
and, and getting to enjoy that. Uh, Bijoy Adidavan, he's one of our leadership team members. He comes out to me, I'm at the Life Kids desk and I'm serving there. And he comes up to me with this, just this giant smile. And if you know Bijoy, he's got a smile that is infectious. It's awesome. You can't help but look at him and smile too, even if you're having like the worst day ever. And he comes out to me with this smile and he says, Jared, I just, I just feel so filled up right now. And, and I want to, and he was trying to think of the right word, I want to reciprocate. I want to reciprocate. I want to take what I've experienced of belonging and of encountering Jesus, and I want to turn that around and go and, and extend it to others. I want to be that for others. I want to give back. I want to reciprocate. Well, today, Life Church, Life Canton, how do we reciprocate? I'm so glad you asked. We're going to talk about that today. We relentlessly pursue one more. We reciprocate through the relentless pursuit of one more. This is a powerful code. It's highly evangelistic, telling of the good news, declaring the good news of who Jesus is, that he is king, that he is Lord. It's about telling that news, but it's also highly service-oriented. We serve one another out of the great love that we have received in Christ. We're going to talk more about that. This code is great and has shaped a lot of who we have been and as well as who we're becoming. So many of you have experienced belonging. You have encountered Jesus, but then you took that and you went out into the community and you shared that joy as well. You relentlessly pursued others who you felt needed to experience the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus as well. In fact, I'm curious, I'm just, just curious, we did this in the last service as well, but just by a show of hands, how many of you are here because somebody from here showed you great love and helped you to experience belonging and helped you to understand an encounter of Jesus? Just raise your hand if you're here because you experienced that from somebody here. This is a powerful code. There is great power in this code. However, however, relentless pursuit of one more can look very different if our perspective of Jesus is off, is warped, is distorted. And that's a huge one. We have to make sure that the belonging that we experience, that the encounter of Jesus was actually in alignment with who Jesus really is. I don't know if you know this, but there's lots of different versions of Jesus out in our world today. And so this code can quickly become warped if our view and our perspective of Jesus is something else that's not in alignment with the Gospels. The words relentless pursuit can then turn from something that is powerful and good into something that is pushy and forceful and overpowering. And in fact, that's really too bad because the powerful love of Jesus is life transforming where he extends his grace to us that is so undeserved. There is power in Jesus and his pursuit of us. There is power in this code, but it can get quickly messed up when we mess up the power dynamic. This is about power. Power is our position and our posture. It's not bad to have power. The question is, what do we do with that power? That's what we're going to talk about today. 
Uh, I want to invite you to Isaiah chapter 55, where we have been, and we're going to move on into just two verses, verse four and five. So if you have a Bible, you can go there, a physical Bible or one on your phone, or uh, if you don't have one, that's entirely okay. We're going to have it on the screens and you can read along with me. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 55, verses four through five. See how I used him to display my, what's that word? Power among the peoples. I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know, and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey, because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. This is, these are verses about a relentless pursuit of one more. But let's break it down just a little bit. Let's talk about uh, one of these words, him. Who's him? Well, if you were here last week, we talked about Him is David, King David. He's this uh, amazing figure, this very prominent figure in Israel's history. He uh, was very much a mighty warrior. He, He took power through military might and political prowess. I mean, this guy is Israel's hero. Absolutely. If I were to bring it into a modern context, uh, it would be like growing up as a kid, you would put posters of the people that you idolized up in your bedroom, whether it's Michael Jordan or New Kids on the Block or Millie Vanilli. (laughs) Just maybe? No? Okay. Nobody had Millie Vanilli on their walls. Uh, But you get the idea. If, If Israelites, young boys and girls in Israel had posters in their bedroom, it would be David. He's the hero because when David was in charge, they were on top. They were in the power seat. David was powerful. He was a good king. So when they're looking at these verses, see how I used him to display my power, they're thinking, oh, this is awesome. This is, this is good news because when David was in charge, we were in the power seat. We were on top. This is going to be good news for us. This is great. But here's the thing. David was merely a tool of God's power. Let me say it this way. David was just a tool, all right? Let's just say it. He's he's just a tool, a vessel of God's power. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that we have to pay attention to. He says it three times. See if you notice it. See how I used him to display my power among the peoples. I made him a leader. This is about God's power, not David's. This is God's power. God is the active agent. God's power is the one that's on display, not David. David is simply being used by God. Why is this important to remember? Because we get so forgetful. We make it about us. We make it about our power. We like our power. We like to be in control. Power feels good. It feels good to be in charge. And so we got to read this in the context that they would have understood it. God understood the hearts of the people who are going to be the original hearers of this vision. They understand that, that David was this great political warrior, this mighty king. And so they're thinking in their minds as they're coming out of exile, okay, so when we get back to Jerusalem, this is what it's going to be like again. We're going to have another leader just like King David. And immediately they can forget that it's God's power to begin with. They're starting to think, potentially, that this is going to be about them. And we'll see that as you go throughout the rest of the Old Testament and even into the Gospels, if you spent time with it. 
They want to be in the power seat. Here's the thing. If we become forgetful three times that this is about God's power, what we'll do is we'll forget about all of that and we'll quickly move on to verse five and we'll begin to say, you also will. Oh, okay, okay, these, these next verses are gonna be about the ones where I reciprocate. This is about my task, my purpose, my life application. Okay, what's it gonna be? What do I have to think about? And here's the problem with that is we, when we become forgetful about God's power being put on display in and through us, we quickly make it about ourselves. And there, that can land one of two ways, either in pride or in pressure. We're, we're given a task. You also will. Oh, I got this. I'm skilled at this. I know what I'm doing. I've done this before. I've got experience. I got this. We become boastful, prideful. I got this, God. Or... We feel pressure. Wait, what, you want me to do what? You want me to relentlessly pursue one more? No, no, I can't do that. I have to do that? Are you kidding me? I'm not, I'm not good at that. I can't do that. I feel pressure. Here's the thing. Both pride and pressure are still about us. Still about my power or lack thereof. It's not about you. It's not about your power. This has to be repeated three times. I used him. My power. I made. This is God's power. The moment we forget about God's power working in and through us is the moment we have a position that fails. We need to be positioned in God's power. Have you experienced belonging? Have you encountered Jesus? All of that was made possible by God's Power, what you fell in love with, was God's action, God's power. We must remain positioned in his power if we're even close to moving on to the next verses, which is more about the relentless pursuit of others. This is all part of reclaiming our identity, not in ourselves, not in our preferences, in God's power. In Jesus. Jesus is the epitome of God's power. We're going to read more about that in just a second. This has to be foundational in order for us to truly relentlessly pursue one more so that we have the power dynamic properly positioned. There's a woman in our church. I'm not going to say her name because you're all going to go look for her, um, but she's incredible. She's a wonderful, humble, gentle person. So loving. She loves Jesus. And on top of that, she is like wicked smart, like super smart. She was extremely successful in her career. She knows things, if you know what I mean. Like she's, she's really smart. And she has therefore every reason to be incredibly prideful, boastful. She has every reason to boast, but she doesn't. And you would never know that because she doesn't offer that information about her story. She makes everything about you. She makes you feel like you're the most important person in the room. But also, she's a woman who has experienced a lot of relational strife and some abuse and has every reason to go into this place of vulnerability and weakness and feel pressure. But she doesn't stay there either. Not because she's denying it, not because she's lying about her story. Her story has made her who she is, but the overwhelming 
powerful love of Jesus has taken over her. And you can see it everywhere she goes. I've seen it, her out in the parking lot pursuing others, making them feel like they're the most important person in the parking lot. I've seen it in the lobby. I've seen it, experienced it with myself. She talks to me and she makes me feel like I'm the most important person in the room. She's so good at relentless pursuit of one more because she understands her position and the power of God's love for her. Let's go on to the next verse. Verse five, you also will command nations you do not know and peoples unknown to you will come running to obey because I, the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. This has to feel amazing to the Israelites as they're coming out of exile. Wait, what? You will command. They will obey. Man, this sounds, this sounds great. This sounds great. God, that, what you're saying through Isaiah, you, you're saying we're going to be in the power seat. Once again, David, we're going to have a leader. Maybe it's not David, but it's a, it's a leader like King David. This is good news for us. We like power. We like power. We like to be in the driver's seat. We like to have control. We will command Absolutely. They will obey. Okay. What else? This is good news. But we have seen where this understanding of power gets messed up, gets abused quite quickly. I'm part of a uh, cohort, a group of people, some women and men, specifically white women and men pastors within our denomination. And what we are doing is we're going through a year-long study called Anti-Racism Discipleship Pathway. It's a lot. And it's heavy. And we're learning a lot about ourselves. We're learning about the fact that we have a culture as, as white folks and learning about what that means and how that extends into the role of building into a multi-ethnic community. Learning a ton about ourselves. We're learning about power and privilege, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But also, we are discussing hard conversations about how racialized power has shaped some things in our world, in our country, in our churches. Specifically, the doctrine of discovery and how it subjugated indigenous people. We're talking about the multiple Chinese exclusion acts and its role for people from Southeast Asia. We're talking about, yes, chattel slavery and Jim Crow. And here's the thing, we're not talking about them simply as events in American history. We're specifically talking about them in how they operated within the church and how many predominant specifically white pastors in our history, have actually taken verses like these, you will command, they will obey, to justify their behavior and justify demonic philosophies. It's hard. It's uncomfortable. But it's something we have to reckon with. Something I have to reckon with. You will command, they will obey, presents images of power. But what kind of power? What kind of power? See, the challenge with a different kind of relentless pursuit 
creates some challenges and it messes with the power dynamic. If I, if I, I'm just talking about myself right now, but if I view people and nations, which by the way, people and nations are sort of interchangeable in this particular passage. And then when we get to the New Testament, we see people and nations again. Quite often, the word nations actually translates to the Greek word ethnos or ethnos, which is where we get the word ethnicity. Multiple ethnicities. If I view other people, other nations, other ethnicities, if I view them through a lens of they're a project, they're other than, we, we other people sometimes. If I view them in that way, then I will never actually see them in their true identity or their true Dignity. I will instead posture myself in such a way where I am sort of the, frankly, the white savior who is swooping in to fix them or to fix their problems, and I will keep myself at an arm's distance all the while, patting myself on the back, saying, didn't I do such a great job? I will posture myself over them. Folks, that's the definition of paternalism, and it's not the way of Jesus. Israel takes verses like these and others, people, Gentiles, pagans, non-Jews, foreigners, other people, nations, and not only that, but calls them unclean. Could you get any more visceral than that? They're unclean, we're clean. Israel's view is like this, even as Jesus shows up on the scene, because they have a distorted view of what commanding and what obeying looks like. Until Jesus shows up on the scene. And now, all of a sudden, Jesus is talking about different things. He's he's providing some very uncomfortable situations. This is why the disciples get extremely uncomfortable when they're around non-Jewish people. Whenever Jesus is interacting with them, whenever Jesus is relentlessly pursuing people, when he's going across to the other side of the lake, which is key for, I am going over into Gentile territory. They are terrified because those people are unclean. And he heals a demoniac. This is uncomfortable for them. And not only is Jesus' behavior and activity uncomfortable for them, but his words are uncomfortable. Jesus, what do you mean the first shall be last, the last shall be first? I don't think so. We're supposed to command. They're supposed to obey. That doesn't feel all that commanding. Jesus. And when he says, deny yourself and take up your cross, man, that, I, don't, I don't like that one bit. And then he begins to take the position and the posture of a slave and washes their feet, which is something only a slave would do. And then he says, love your enemies. Hold up. I don't think so, Jesus. No, no, no. I'm not done yet. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is confusing. This doesn't sound all that commanding at all. It certainly doesn't sound glorious. Why? Because Jesus is shifting the power dynamic. He shifts it. He turns it on its head. And he 
enters in through a posture of humility and sacrificial love and takes it all the way to the cross. See how I used him to display my power. What power? What power are we talking about? We say a poor peasant brown Jewish man naked dying on a cross. How is that power? This is how God chooses to make you glorious. Not through military might, not through political prowess, but through naked humiliation on a cross. That's God's power. God's power put on display. This is how he relentlessly pursues you and me. Not by beating you into submission and say, get all your crap together. No, he, in fact, he does it through sacrificial love, even while, my friend Kevin Butcher would put it this way, I'm giving him the middle finger and saying, I don't want anything to do with you. Even then, he goes to the cross. You talk about relentless pursuit of one more. You talk about power. You talk about God's power. That's how he displays his power. And it doesn't end there. He calls for a different kind of obedience. An obedience that says, now you take up your cross. If you're going to relentlessly pursue one more, you're going to do so from a position and a posture of power. And that's the power of love. It's the power of humility. It's the power of going lower. This is cross-shaped power. Some of the most incredible, committed people that I've met in this church are also some of the most humble people as well because they understand the power dynamic, the power of Jesus. Their position is, and posture is one of humility and love and self-sacrifice And you'd never even know it because they just choose not to draw attention to themselves. They simply want to display God's power and his glory. God relentlessly pursues us. And it's powerful. And he invites us to do the same. He never says, don't use power. He never says you shouldn't have power. Power. He says, use your power to display my power. This is a power that moves our position from self to selfless. It's a power that shapes our posture from conquering to compassion. And it's a power that only comes by way of submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, is in you, is in me. And wherever the presence and power of the Holy Spirit is, there is freedom. And God's power is made perfect in our, when you had it all figured out, when you had all the right answers, when you drove to church, all cleaned up nice and neat, your kids weren't fighting in the back, in fact, they were memorizing scripture, and you and your spouse weren't fighting, then that's when God's power works out. Somebody already said it. His power is made perfect in your weakness. 
That's when God's power truly begins to be on display. Happens with Jesus, and he invites us into the same. We do this through a posture and a position of service. Service is the commitment connected to the code of relentless pursuit of one more. But don't do it. Don't serve apart from the position and posture that Jesus gives us. I want you to hear about this. There's one New Testament writer. His name's Paul. We talk about him a lot. He wrote a letter to the Philippian church, and he perfectly kind of shows us this you belong, this encounter Jesus, and out of that foundation is this relentless pursuit of one more. I want to invite you to close your eyes once again and to listen to the way of Jesus and how he first relentlessly pursued us and invites us to go and do the same. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue, every multi-ethnic figure declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. Would you please stand with me? Some of you have entered this room today maybe feeling like you have zero power, no position, posture of weakness, and there's nowhere else to turn. I want you to see and to hear how Jesus relentlessly pursued you, not by going up to an ivory tower and a throne and pointing down at you with a checklist of things to do, but by stooping down into your level. It's your mess. It's your weakness. It's your brokenness. And said, I love you. Says, you belong. Encounter me. Listen to me. And you will hear the words of eternal life. 
His disciples say, you alone have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? My prayer is that you hear those words of eternity today. And if you need to hear those words, I want to invite you to pray along with me and make this prayer your own or maybe just listen to the words of my prayer. And just know that God, through Jesus and by the power of his Holy Spirit, today, in this moment, right now, is relentlessly pursuing you. Not in a forceful way, not in a manipulative way, but through tenderness, compassion. So Father, we come to you broken, weak, alone, with questions. And then we see that you are joining us in the midst of our brokenness. You were willing to be broken for our weakness. God, I'm not sure what this looks like, what this next step is for me but I'm choosing to step out in faith and to allow you to pursue me and to say yes to the work of your spirit. God, help me to believe in you. Help me to encounter you. Help me to listen to you. Thank you for your love. Welcome back. I uh, hope you enjoyed that message. Uh, I hope that you heard Pastor Jared's call to take up a posture of Christ to set aside our power dynamics and, and all the things that get in the way of relentlessly pursuing one more. I uh, hope you were challenged and I hope you find opportunities to pursue people this week. Uh, and if you need to be pursued, whether that's prayer or just support or care, uh, please reach out. If you fill out a connect card, let us know, or just reach out to uh, a volunteer or staff directly. Um, but we would love to care for you and support you uh, and help you experience belonging. So be sure to do that. Uh, but I hope you have a blessed week, and I will talk to you again real soon as we continue our series next week.